So again, if you're online tonight, we are glad that you are with us. For everybody in the house, we are super glad. You guys get treated a little bit better, though, because we're going to have dinner uh, afterwards with the greatest of things, which are tacos, and you can never go wrong with tacos. So anyway, hey, before we dig in uh, to Scripture, uh, just a couple things that I want you guys to be aware of. And first of all is this, um, tomorrow we are kicking off our life groups. And so we have two life groups going on uh, during the week. Uh, One is on Monday nights at our house. Uh, And if you need any of the information, you just go to the website that is posted and uh, you can sign up for life group that way. We have dinner uh, at 6.30 and then we have study afterwards and we really, really enjoy that. So if you want to be a part of that, please, please sign up. And on Wednesday night, and I think it's 8 o'clock, text us, Jeff, if I'm wrong on the 8 o'clock, but 8 o'clock online uh, with Jeff Parkins, and they're going to be, they did Acts last uh, fall, and so they're going to go right into Romans, and it is going to be awesome. In fact, I may even jump into the Romans thing on Wednesdays occasionally when I have the opportunity, Uh, but I encourage you guys, find one of those times that you can be in study, but ladies you get an added bonus uh, because Megan Estes is going to lead a study starting on the 23rd of January here at the church. And so if you have any, you guys, can you read that, guys? If you have any questions, she's right over there. You can ask Megan. And if you're watching online, uh, you can text or email Megan and ask any questions. But I'm excited because Uh, That's just another great way for our ladies to be just digging into the Word together and growing with one another. And so we are glad that you guys are here. And uh, we're just going to kind of tag along of what uh, Jeff Parkins preached last week. And if you were not here, um, you can listen to that online. But thank you, Jeff, uh, for filling the pulpit. Um, This week, it's hard for me to get on stage a little bit because uh, for me, football is over because my Colts lost uh, yesterday. But fear not, everybody, fear not, because hockey starts on Wednesday. And so hockey is on Wednesday, and I am uh, all geared up for that. Uh, But uh, anyway, so I have hope. I have hope. And that's what Jeff kind of talked to us a little bit last week, was hope. Uh, And it reminded me, uh, at the end of Shawshank Redemption, uh, a lot of you guys who have seen this movie, any Shawshank friends or fans, just me, a couple, a few, Anybody a little upset that in 1994 it did not get picture of the year? I mean, best picture? I know Forrest Gump was good, but I thought Shawshank was just phenomenal. And so I'm still a little bitter over the Academy, over that little thing. I hold on to my bitterness, as you can tell. But at the end of Shawshank, Andy Dufresne tells his friend Red, right before he escapes from prison, he says this. He says, remember, Red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things and no good thing ever dies. Hope is a good thing. Hope is something that we should all have. In fact, of the three things mentioned by Paul as the greatest of these, he mentions faith, hope, and love. And so it is in the top three, according to Paul, of the things that we need to adhere to and hold on to. Uh, But hope is something that all of us want to have, but it comes with a lot of pain for a lot of people. And the reason that it comes with a lot of pain is because we put our trust and our hope into a lot of different things that let us down. Uh, They don't come to fruition, or they don't happen the way that we think that they should. And it leaves us with gut-wrenching heartache oftentimes, a tendency 
uh, to not want to put our hope into certain things, uh, simply because uh, when you do and it lets you down, it hurts. And a lot of people, they had hope going into 2020 uh, because they had expectations, and those expectations most likely probably went a different direction. A lot of people had hopes in 2020, and because of things that all happened in several different arenas, uh, it was a very painful time. It seems like the world, to me right now, and this is where I think hope really struggles, is just so much division. There's so much division. In fact, I was thinking about this week. I was like, I think right now we need to change kind of the cover. It needs to say States of America because we obviously are not united. Right now, it does not feel like we are the United States of America, and that's painful because we have hope living in this country, but maybe we need to shift the way that we go about it. Now, obviously, in New Year's, we put even higher hopes. I want, I want to share this with you just on the political climate is that Jesus did his greatest work when the political climate was absolutely horrendous. And I still believe Jesus can do some of his greatest work through us when the political scene seems absolutely chaotic. I absolutely believe that he can do that. And the Apostle Paul warns us of kind of the things that we put our hope into. He says, if you're going to put your hope into these things, uh, then it's not going to go very well for you. If you're going to put your stock or your energy into the things of this world, it will leave you feeling pretty empty and extremely disappointed. In Colossians, he calls for us to not place your thinking on earthly things, but rather on the things of God, the eternal things, the things of Christ. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, do not conform your thinking to the things of this world, but rather they allow God to transform your life by the renewing of your mind. One of my favorite sections of Scripture. And if your hope is in anything other than the promises of God, folks, and listen to this, if your hope is in anything other than the promises of God, you will feel the weight and the burden of life tremendously. And it will leave you unsatisfied. And I think a lot of us have had those moments in life where we're like, man, I put a lot of stock, I put a lot of hope into that, and now it feels very heavy. And so as we continue through the life of Christ tonight um, and focusing on this theme of, love, of, of hope, uh, Jesus addresses this very thing that we're talking about in Luke chapter 12. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12. If you are online, uh, you can also tune in. I'll put some, some of the scriptures up on the screen. They'll be on your computer or TV at home. Um, but when he warns uh, the people against trying to fill your hope with the things of this world, and as you read it, it's going to sound very familiar to you. It's going to sound a lot like the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason is, is Jesus, when he would have a very good sermon, and they were all very good sermons, but he didn't just preach them once. He would preach them multiple times to multiple different audiences. And so some of the language that you're going to see in Luke 12 is going to be very similar to Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has a good sermon. He's going to preach it again, and it's good for us to hear it again. But it's this constant theme of not storing up your treasures here on this earth. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat 
He says, don't worry about the things that you're going to drink. He says, don't worry about the things that you're going to wear. Do not worry. In fact, in Scripture it says, do not worry about your life. And that's really hard for a lot of us. Because it seems like today we worry about everything. And he's saying, do not worry. Worry is not a healthy thing for you. Now, when he's saying don't worry about these things, it is not permission for you to be lazy. I think a lot of times when people read Scripture and it says, hey, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about this and that and this and that. They'll take it as, well, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to relax. It is not permission to be lazy. In fact, in Scripture, it tells us over and over, do not be lazy with the things that we do. And I'll read uh, the scripture to you in just a little bit. But don't worry about anything. And here's why. You know what worrying does? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Worrying actually is not beneficial to our life at all. Worry is not what God wants for your life. In fact, he says this in Luke 12, verse 30. These things the things that you tend to worry about, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek first, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. See the similar language? Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and, all, and his righteousness, and he will add all these things to you. Or Luke chapter 12, verse 31, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. And he goes on in 32, so don't be afraid, little flock. He brings words of comfort, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Now, don't miss this. This is really cool. Jesus says right here, I want to make sure we get it. That if you live your life worrying about the things of this life in this world, you're going to be just like the unbelievers. The unbelievers, <laughs> they struggle because they don't have Father God to put their hope into. And so he's like, man, don't be like the unbelievers. But when you place your trust and your faith and your life into Jesus Christ, guess what? You are now a child of God, which means you have the best father ever. Now, I don't know about any of you guys with your relationship with your father, whether it was good or bad or absolutely horrendous, but I can tell you this, that when you have God as your heavenly father, it does not get any better. And so you will have the best father in him. You are a child of his and you get everything from him, his never-ending, his unending love, his unending grace, and with his unending riches. He wants to give it over to you. That is the treasure. That is what you need, and it is what we need to seek after. So we're going to seek after your heavenly Father and his kingdom, and here's the beauty of it. The kingdom of God it will be the kingdom of God that your heavenly Father will be happy to give to you. He actually wants to hand you the keys to the house. I thought about that this week. And I thought, man, 
If you could have anybody as a father, if you're thinking worldly, who would it be? Maybe Jeff Bezos? Would you worry about finances if you were a child of Jeff's? Probably not when dad has over $150 billion, right? Think about this real quick. Your father in heaven created everything. He has unlimited riches. He has unlimited grace, and he wants to give us, as his children, his kingdom. And that is a beautiful thing. Luke chapter 12, uh, 33 says, so here's what we're going to do. He wants you to sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. It's not going away. It's not going to get lost. We don't have to put a security system on it. It is safe with God. It's not going to go anywhere. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So the treasure that you seek after and the treasure that I seek after, that will become the desire of our hearts. When you're seeking after something, it becomes important to you. It becomes the desire of your heart. That is what will be your life pursuit. And it's up to you to what you decide your treasure to be. Is it going to be the things of the earth that will let you down? Or will it be something eternal? And when Jesus says, don't worry, again, it's not permission for us to get lazy. Proverbs 12, 24 says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy, you become a slave. When you work hard, most of the time, you're going to be given wages for your hard work. That is going to help supply the things for your life. And then we have less worry. If you invest in people, inviting them into your home, having meals together. And so what that does is it develops amazing relationships. And if you invest in people in that way, and if you possibly lose your home, guess what? Somebody will let you into theirs because you've invested into people. And so it's a good investment. It's a good thing. And when you get back to God, to the church, a portion of what you make, when you are in need, you reach out to the church. We are a family, and we provide for one another. Acts 3, 4, and 5 give us a great, a great understanding of what this church should be like. That if anyone in this room or anybody online is in need, this is your church family, and we take care of one another. So when you are in need, we provide for each other. You have invested into something that has great return when you invest into the kingdom of God. And so allowing God to be the central theme of your hope can change your perspective no matter what 2021 brings. It's going to change your perspective for the better because you're not putting any stock into the things that will eventually wither away where moths and rust destroy but you are putting your stock, you are putting your energy, you are investing into the things that truly matter. You're investing into the things that change lives, not just while here on earth, they are eternal. So let's continue in Luke, which is going to set up the rest of our time together. 35, it says this, be dressed 
for service. You need to be ready and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment that he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready, the servants who are us, who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself, this is really cool, he himself will seat them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. I love this passage of scripture. In life in Christ, we get to be excited about when the door is knocked on. That's what it should be. We should be excited when that door gets knocked on. He's saying, guess what? I'm going to knock on the door. And the servants that are ready, we're going to have a banquet together, and I am going to serve you. When Christ returns, we get to be excited about that. And understanding is that Jesus himself will seat the guests, and he will put on an apron now, I don't know if that's figure or literal or whatever, but it's he's going to serve them a meal. He's going to serve you a meal. Jesus gave us a sneak peek into this when he breaks bread and drinks wine with his disciples. And then, do you know what he does? He serves them. He washes their feet. So the master of the house is saying, hey, you know what this looks like? And he serves. He serves, and he welcomes us home and provides a meal unlike anything that you've ever tasted. It sounds great, right? When will that happen? The answer is, anyone? We don't know. We don't know. I don't know. No one knows except the Father in heaven. And so since we don't know the day or the hour, he says, here's what you need to do. You need to be ready. Um, the terminology that is used a lot of times in Scripture is girding your loins, being ready, being ready to fight, being ready for battle, being ready to spend time with the Lord, being ready to be with one another, to be ready to grow in Him. And so we're going to be ready. When people ask me about Revelation, and I love to read Revelation more than I used to, um, but when people ask me about end of times, and they say, hey, what do you think? Are you pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial? What are you? And I said, I'm just Jeff. But let me tell you what I believe. And what I believe is that Jesus is going to return. You have no idea when it's going to happen. But let's do this. Let's be ready. And let's take as many people with us as we possibly can. That is what we should do in the meantime, is be ready and take as many people with us as we possibly can. We're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're going to love people with intentionality. Love them by sharing the love, the grace, and the truth of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do uh, for the remainder of our time is just give you some easy ways to kind of maybe hit the reset button in life a little bit moving into 2021. And this is going to kind of tag into a lot of the things that Jeff talked about last week. But we're going to develop some healthy habits. And so 
Think about the things that you do when you want to make something a habit, or think about the things that are habits in your life, and think about what, did it ha- what had to happen in order for them to become a habit. They usually take, I, I think it's this way, it may not be, but I think they say it takes about 30 days to develop a habit. So you're going to do something every single day for 30 days. And so with the things I'm going to challenge you here a little bit, I want you to set a reminder, and we're going to do this for 30 days. We're going to develop some healthy habits. And it's amazing because I actually got this this past week off of Uversion. They sent me a, a little thing as reminders. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds really good. I'm going to preach about that a little bit this week. <clears throat> and so here's what they are. The first one is this. Set aside some time with God every day. Now, I'm not going to tell you how much time. But I think a great place to start is just spend some time with the Lord every day. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I think one of the best, if not the best habits that you can get into this year is by setting aside some time with God every single day. Put an alarm on your phone. I do this, actually. I have two alarms that go off during the day, three now that remind me to just stop and spend some time with the Lord. So maybe you're going to set an alarm on your phone um, that will, maybe a time that you, you know you're not going to be interrupted. So maybe set that time on your phone when you know there's probably not going to be interruptions. And that's hard for parents, right? Because it seems like no matter what we try to do, it's going to be an interruption time. Um, but maybe do that. And when you do these things and you spend time with him in his word and in prayer, and it's going to be more of him that you're allowing into you. Uh, and it will start to do uh, what we discussed in Romans 12, the transforming of your heart and mind by the renewing of God in you. Less of your mindset and more of his is always going to be a good thing. And it's going to change the way that you respond to certain things in life. Why? Because you're putting on Christ. So ask yourself this, at what times of the day do you find it easiest to connect with God? And then maybe set that time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 30, 45, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's alone, maybe it's with a spouse or somebody with you. Spend time with the Lord. Second one is this, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Here's what I know about running a race. You can tell that I run a lot. Funny, none of you laughed. (laughs) Thank you. Here's what I know about running a race. You set your eyes on the destination, right? So if you're running a race and it's a sprint, you can actually see the finish line tape. And if it's a long distance, you focus on the horizon. You focus to a certain point and you just keep going. Fixing our eyes on Jesus keeps Jesus the focus of your life. Now, when he is not the focus of your life, guess what? Everything else is going to start to become in focus. 
And so those will be the distractions. Those will be the things that the enemy is going to use. And so I encourage you to make sure you fix your eyes on him. Anything that hinders that focus, if it gets in the way, get rid of those things. All right? Unless it's your children. Don't get rid of your children. But get rid of those things that you know, man, that just distracted me. Maybe it's the TV. Maybe it's your cell phone. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to make certain areas of my house cell phone free. <laughs> because I, I realize, man, I get so distracted so easy. I work with a guy that still has a flip phone. And I said, Dustin, what are you doing? You got a flip phone. I haven't seen one of those things since I don't remember when. But I see it now because you haven't. He goes, the reason I have the flip phone is because if I had a smartphone, I'd get distracted all the time. And he would. And so maybe getting rid of those, some of those things uh, will help you. And ask yourself this question. What desires are keeping me from centering my life completely around Jesus? Number three, remember whose you are. We covered this earlier. Whose are we? We are a child of who? God. You belong to him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Everything you've sacrificed this past year will never compare to the ultimate sacrifice that God paid for you. So when you begin to grow discouraged, remember that God is eternally invested into your life. Your future is in the hands of someone who loves you, and he wants you to become the person that he created you to be. So ask yourself this question, what habits will help me glorify God more? And then number four, start small. Luke 16.10 says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. The question is, how do you eat an elephant? And everybody over a certain age will tell you, one bite at a time. One bite at a time. How do you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? One step at a time. One step at a time. Find one thing in your life that you would like to change over the Lord and the work, and then you're going to work on that. Keep adjusting. Uh, give yourself something that you can succeed at when it comes to your relationship with Christ, and then ask yourself, what is one thing that I can start to master for him? And then the last one is this. Invite others to join you. Uh, Jeff hit on this passage of Scripture. You guys, a lot of you know it well. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We were never meant to go through this life alone. You'll find it easier to stay on track if you invite some friends to join you on the journey. And this is amazing, and this is so comforting and refreshing, is that when we are encouraging to one another, man, I tell you what, when I'm running that race, that's what I want. When I was running cross country so many years ago, and I'd be running and running and running, and I hated most every moment of it, but I had nothing else I could do. So I'm running cross country, and there was 
these voices of encouragement that I would hear that just got me going. One was my father. Uh, because of my relationship that I have with my father, who I love so much, and he would say, "JR, you're doing great. Keep going. My dad always called me JR. He said, JR, you're doing great. Keep going. And I tell you what, man, it would just get a boost in me. When we have a people around us supporting us, it is so much better. And so you need to invite some friends to join you on this journey. And I'll say this, don't wait for others to come after you. You go to them. If you wait, you are just going to be lonely. If you're waiting for people at church to reach out to you, don't do that. You go to them. You go. You are the church. We need to go to one another. If all of us in the church are waiting to be approached by someone else, we'll all just be sitting around with nobody to talk to. But if you want to have a good faith sharpening relationship in the church, go seek them out. Go get them. Meet them for coffee, meet them for lunch, whatever it is, get connected. And that's one of the reasons that we love to do our life groups. It's one of the reasons that we've really pushed DNA groups, is that we want people in life-sharpening community. So ask yourself, what God-honoring relationship do I need to invest in? And so maybe these are some habits that you can get into this year. So here's what they are. Set aside some time with God every single day. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Remember whose you are. You are a child of God. Start small and invite others to join you. And as you keep developing these healthy habits over time, you're going to find yourself becoming more like the person that God created you to be. It only takes a few moments to get going. And I believe that these really are just five steps, but they're a great place to start. So, maybe we can make these healthy habits. And I would, and I, again, I'm just saying, set reminders to you uh, to help you pursue these things. Reminders are perfect uh, for the times when you need some extra encouragement to continue to build these good habits, and soon we're all going to start to become the best version of who God wants us to be. Will you guys pray with me? Father God, I am so grateful to you. I'm so grateful to you for your word, and it is just refreshing to be able to open it up and be reminded that if we're going to invest into anything, it needs to be you and your kingdom. Those are the things that last. Those are the things that will not let us down. So help us to put our hope into you. So as we just continue to move into this year, I pray that as a church, that's what we'll do. We, a church that is united, even though the world is divided, we can be united in this place. One of my prayers for this church we would just be united, that we would love one another, that we'd be kind to one another, that we would break bread together, that when one of us is in need, we are there to help out. 
help us to live this out. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to break bread together in a certain kind of way. Uh, If you're at home, we would just love it if you guys would just grab a few things where you can take the Lord's Supper. Um, But we're going to just open up this room for you guys to move around. Uh, There are two stations that have communion, uh, the bread and the juice. You guys know the meal. Have this time with him. What an amazingly intimate time with your Lord and Savior. And so when we talked about spending time each day with him, this is one of the best ways that you can spend time with him, remembering the sacrifice that he showed to you, the love that he showed to you on the cross. There's an area where you can give. I am so proud of this church. Um, You guys at the end of the year uh, just did such an amazing job of giving back, and I was just blown away. Uh, This church has never missed a paycheck. Um, We've never missed an opportunity to go out and do ministry. We've never missed an opportunity to love somebody that is in need because you guys have invested. And so thank you very much for that. So uh, if you're online, uh, you can do that at revivedloveland.org up slash give. But man, to have this time with God. So I'm just going to open it up. You guys can move about.